Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Keon Sobani. It is Sunday night. I will not be doing any hosting beyond this intro. Obviously, no games this weekend, so we wanted to get something out on the free RSS feed, which is this one. It is Castilla Corner. They've launched a new segment where they interview different Managing Madrid staff members and just talk about life, football, fandom, journalism, whatever. And they have an art of entertaining us. So an exciting debut new segment for Castilla Corner tonight. Their first interviewee is Matt Wiltsey. Also just wanted to give you some housekeeping stuff because the schedule for managingmajor.com, a lot of it is just basically from a podcast sense over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. So Friday night, the post-game show for the Alaves game went up on the patron feed. Tomorrow, Monday night, the post-game show for the Granada game will be on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And then on Tuesday, Matt Wiltsey and I will do the loan tracker for our patrons. On Thursday, it is Mailbag plus Villarreal postgame show over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. So if you're not a patron yet, you're missing out, uh, make sure to go sign up tonight, really, just to make sure you have it all signed up and ready to go and subscribe to the Patreon RSS feed for the postgame show tomorrow night. Um, $3 is the minimum pledge. I know you all have $3 in your life that is probably better spent getting the value from us, which we just we just put endless, endless content right now. And we're putting our souls into this. So if you like our work, support us and get 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 a lot of value in return. Um, apologies to our, our Churros y Tacticas patrons who are expecting a show on Friday. Sometimes just unforeseen circumstances just arise and life happens, and that's what happened on Friday. So apologies. We'll be back Monday on Churros y Tacticas. And also on managingmajor.com, a ton of great content. In addition to the post-game coverage for the Alaves game, which there was plenty, Citrix's tactical column this week was about how Zidane crossed the 500 goal mark for Real Madrid as a Real Madrid manager. Christopher McCormick wrote about Gregory Dupont, who is, and I quote, the redeemed scientist behind Real Madrid's post-lockdown fitness. Also, my latest column went up before the Alaves game, but is still relevant uh, it is about Real Madrid's defense, Real Madrid's offense, and my analysis of it over this over this win streak, win streak and why it's so impressive and and kind of how the the X's and O's of both the offense and the defense, and also my my prediction for the end of the season. Just kind of revisiting it anyway. Um, as always, you can always read my columns at slash kions dash observations. Just Google it; it might be even easier than typing it out. Um, yeah, so. Without further ado, here is Castilla Corner's debut segment, and the rest will be on patreon.com slash managingmadrid this week. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. coming your way but before we start there is no Chris today he's a busy busy man at the moment so we're having a bit of a crossover our guest I would say in quotation marks today is uh, Matt Wilts is that how you say your second name Matt? Wiltsy, Wiltsy. Wiltsy, love it nice um what about okay. your uh, no, I love him. go on what about your name uh, Sam <laughs> my second name yeah 
a lot of people say Sharpie. That's my nickname, but so it's, it's the just Sharp. Yeah, like Lee Sharp for Man United. He's got no E on the end. So it's um, Sharp, but we'll yeah, say Silent sharp. E. Yeah. Yeah, Silent E on mine. Yeah. It mine's the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see. I like it. I like it yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Matt. Uh, your first time with us, apart from when we did the. What did we do? Yeah, what was the that? Draft. Now? We did a yeah. draft for, was it Castillo, yeah, yeah. the first team? I think it was uh, all Castillo kind of, and Loneys, remember? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, got it. And you had the best team by miles, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I completely flopped in the uh, the, the Legends one. <laughs> yes. Also, yeah. You know, I uh, have a little group chat with Om Arvind and others, and he has been complaining that Kian has been bragging so much about that team. That he, <laughs> and he believes he believes he had the best team. <laughs> I think mine was a dark horse. Chris's, I remember, was really terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He had like a 4 4 2 with Kubo in centre back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, a nice easy one today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some news. There really is no news, so that'll take like two minutes. We're going to talk about Matt because I don't know if you've ever done something like this, but I don't know much about you other than you are the best managing Madrid player there is, I think. Uh, <laughs> which is the title I really wanted. <laughs> um, but we'll argue that out later. Uh, uh, and then after that, we've actually we've asked for some questions. We've got two or three quick ones in. Um, so it should be a nice, short, snappy, lovable podcast today. Um, Let's get straight into it then with the news. Uh, we've been trying to say this one for ages, but yeah. I think a couple of weeks ago this was announced that, um, and it will become our focus as well, that Raul uh, was going to take the under-19s for the rest of their UEFA Youth League season because that's going to carry on just like the, the Champions League. Mm. Um, Danny Puyatos, I think, is official. Have you seen anything? Uh, I'm not sure if they make those official, but maybe the... Must, what is they must do it in um, what is it, the country again? The Greece. Yeah, the yeah, Greece, yeah. It's quite a big team, isn't it? Uh, Panathinaikos. He's taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to pronounce it, but uh, yeah, probably that one. <laughs> so the yeah, the under 19s coach Danny Piatas. He actually has tweeted about it, so he can. Uh, it's official. Like he's yeah. left Real Madrid um, to be a first team coach, the manager of. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Panathinaikos in Greece. Mm. Um, so uh, Raul will just be stepping in to take the youth league uh, team, which you kind of there's quite a few Castilla players that are involved in that. And then also under 17s, 18s players get called up often. So it's a mixed squad. Uh, I'll be interested to see who plays in that. But it will become it'll become our main focus at Castilla Corner. Because, it's so cool. No, just yeah, throw back cool. at, uh, no, he was he was never there. But yeah, just uh, <laughs> stepping down. So there's not many academy teams he hasn't coached, though, if he goes for the 19s. He started on the 14s. He went to the 18s. Yeah. Then it'll be 19s now, Castilla. Mm. It'll just be like the bulk in the middle that he he kind of skipped. Um, will you watch uh, Matt? Will you watch those games? Or personally, I haven't watched most uh, of the youth league uh, games, but I think now I'm definitely going to watch them because you know. Yeah, I mean, I think because yeah. that's going to be in August, right? So there's yeah. probably there's not going to be much other football on. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I will. Uh, yeah. And I I think to you guys' point, it'll be a good chance for Raúl to see kind of. Some of the some of these guys that he's going to embed into Castilla yeah. next season, so maybe even next month about, it would be. Yeah, wouldn't it? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Next month, massive chance. Um, I mean, so that would pretty much be his new Castilla almost. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Most no. of them, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very, very true. Who are they playing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good research. <laughs> good knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So brilliant. I went to watch, obviously, I watched the them live against Paris Saint-Germain. And these games are crazy because the score lines mm. are all over the place. Because they're all academy sides as well. It's pretty even. It's, a, it's an even playing scape because unlike uh, maybe the actual Champions League where Real Madrid played someone like, um, who did they play recently? Ludogretz or a Poal. 
Yeah. You expect Real Madrid to win all day of the year, but um, I think Red Bull Salzburg have, have one of the, one of the most successful teams in this competition. There's all sorts of academies that just pull off these incredible results because they're actually they're pretty decent in their own right. Mm. And we are playing Juventus, so oh. it's a good uh, good task. Wow. Very big. Mm. But uh, mm. I think you know I I've been looking a bit at the our new Castilla players. They mostly are coming from Juvenil, of course. So yeah. that's the way it's going to be. I'm excited to see how many changes changes it will be, but it will definitely be a lot of under-19 players coming up. So, mm. yeah, as Matt says, perfect chance for all to see them in action. Do you think that they will get as many Castilla players that are eligible as possible down? Because um, I think Bayesa played... Um, oh, I, think, I, can't remember I think those uh, under... Like Blanco, for example, is young enough. Miguel mm. Gutierrez, of course, but he is an under-19 player yeah, anyway. There, but, yeah, Pedro but there are some. at one point. Mm. Um, I so, wonder if he'll just try Marvin, and bulk it up. I don't think Marvin did play, but he could potentially. I just, I'm just looking at their squad list. So, mm. what do you think, Matt? Should they just uh, send players from Castilla down and just make them as good? <laughs> oh, I think, I think they're definitely going to do that. Yeah. I think they're going to They haven't and... ever won one, have they? Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah, and they want those guys to be playing. So, especially, yeah. I mean, especially the most talented guys, they, they're going to want to win it. So, I think for sure, I think for sure, you'll see a lot of guys drop down. So this is the, uh, like, octavos. How do you say that in um, in English? Like, uh, run quarterfinals? No, I don't th- is it? Okay, maybe. It but uh, he, at least they have gone here. The under-19s have gone here, like, by themselves. So I know I don't know how they will feel by, to get benched. Uh, by players. Played, there's a few that have played that, that yeah? play every single year. But I just wonder if they will double that now that they can. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know. Um but, uh, yeah, it's but with the Raul and you know, with some, it's definitely some of them will go down. So I think maybe, yeah. maybe this will be our year with, um, you know, not the <laughs> Champions League, but uh, the Youth League. I think it's a big title for him. When we were in, um, I bring this up every podcast because of you, Ruben. When we were in Real Madrid City, thanks to your amazing <laughs> tour that you got us. I looked yeah, and I saw. Thanks, it was unbelievable. You have to come, man. <laughs> yeah, um, they have I'm there next little, time. Oh, yeah. perfect. They've got this little um, trophy cabinet, literally one cabinet with all the academy trophies. So you've got the Segunda B trophy from whenever they last, I think 2011-12. The 15-16 Segunda B trophy was in there, just the group winner's trophy that Martin Erdegaard's clan won. Um, I'm sure if I saw that one, but okay, yeah. And I have a picture of it. Maybe we can stick it on this this article that comes with this. And Mm. then... Um, but there's no, there's a big space there for what would probably be the most important trophy in there, the UEFA Youth League. I think it would be really prestigious for this academy to win that. I think so. We we should have it. I mean, you know, yeah, it's Real Madrid, so yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Well, Sam, Sam, when you guys went to uh, go watch them live, were mm. you impressed with the speed of play and just the technique what, of some the of these young guys? Yeah. I mean, academy football is all technique. It's it's the purest type of football. Um, you are ever going to see. I'm sure you've played it, Matt. We'll we'll find about this later. But yeah. it is yeah. it's just oh, I can't even explain how pure a kind of the type of football played there is. Just, you just pop the ball around for 90 minutes, and and there is no hiding place because you see so much of the ball. Yeah. Um, and they, it, again, as I said, it's a really level playing field. So both teams just try and do the same thing. It doesn't matter which team is playing which team. So it was I was really impressed with the quality of everyone. Um, there was a lot of 15 to 17 year olds on the pitch, mostly for PSG on the day. Um, but it was a really good game. But the, what I did notice is it was just chaos. I think it was six-three final score. Um, there were red cards. It, it, uh, it's almost about luck. I don't know if it's an easy competition to actually try and aim to win because did that uh, did that center back that just signed for Bayern Munich from PSG Youth Academy was he playing or was he is he already a level above that? Who signed for Bayern Munich? 
This is news to me. His name's like... Uh, <laughs> Kouassi. It starts with a K. Kouassi, yeah. I think he did play, and then there was another centre-back who played. I was really impressed with PSG centre-backs and not much else, really, from them. Um, yeah. Their centre-backs were really strong, and there was a striker that was good, and Xavi Simmons played. Apart from that, no oh, one really caught my eye. <laughs> Um, has, has the UEFA Youth League been around for long, you think? No, not too like Maybe maybe 10 years max. Probably I think, less, I think. According to my quick Google search, it's 2013. Could be, yeah, that be so right? Seven yeah. years. I think it is right, yeah. So, so it's not that long. But I wonder if Real Madrid, you know, because they have changed their youth policy, their signings, you know, transfer policy so much, that now they're not only signing players like Fusa Kubo and Rodrigo, but... Do you think they are also signing more players at you know lower levels, like younger players, um, prioritizing that more, like fourteen-year-olds? Uh, mm. Or I think they, I think they're gonna be careful with that though, just yes. because um, <laughs> they almost got the transfer ban. If you remember, you have to be really, really careful when you sign mm. players under the age of eighteen, um, mm. because like it gets UEFA and the, the rules yeah. get really tricky about that. I never yeah. understood those rules, though. What's it, what is it that Real Madrid... I mean, Real Madrid got their bans shortened, but we did get one transfer window banned, so... But uh, I don't know what the rules are. Oh, but, they're really touchy. I'm not 100% yeah. sure on them either. I think it's just because the the kid becomes almost a product. I don't know. It's more of a moral, ethical kind of the rule yeah. that's been instated rather than anything else. Mm, yeah. Um, I but I, d- I don't know 100%. I know that Real Madrid signed loads of players for the academy, by the way. I see it nearly every day they sign someone, but mostly from local kind of Madrid-based sides. Um, Isn't the problem more that you s- sign players from, for example, Brazil who leave their families? And, yeah, you know, potentially stuff like this. I don't know. And then they I probably pay them yeah. all sorts, don't they, as well? Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's probably easier if you want to sign a player, another Spanish player, for example. So, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm, but, I re- you know, there was... Uh, going on about this for, for a while now but i remember the um, the you know you surely have followed at least picked up some of the news about you know martin odegaard and his uh, father have mm, yeah there's been a lot of controversy around them because yeah real madrid apparently paid the father like extraordinary <laughs> amount of money just to be the assistant coach at one of the i'm interested teams. this this baffles me this story because it might be true um, uh, it's just yeah, like I've never seen a picture. I've never seen any sort of like evidence or information to suggest that. What's his name? Hans? Yeah, Hans Erik. Yeah, that so Hans yeah, that he worked there. Yeah, he was a former good. player too, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For um, Strømskutse, which was where we signed Olgar from. But yeah, I think the the um, the Norwegian newspaper that uh, covered it, they had the documents and everything. So and. Ah. Um, so it's you know that's where round red you know seems like loopholes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was like three million euros just a year to be the assistant for you know. So <laughs> yeah, whatever, it takes. Again, yeah, <laughs> whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Hopefully worth it. So. All that, by the way, this is just so typical of us. All of that on one piece of news about Raul pitching it. Yeah. Well, Keon and I always joke because, like, we'll record the post-game show with Ohm and everything, and then Keon will um, be like, "Oh, I got a, a Castillo corner file. Let's see. I, I'm not sure they had that much to talk about this week." He's like, "Oh, oh hour and a half. <laughs> okay, it's gonna be a three-hour three podcast." <laughs> well, that's, that's good brilliant. Stuff, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had a second piece of news there, by the way. But talking about rules made me forget it. Yeah. Um, well, I can't remember. Uh, All right, we're going straight into Matt in that case, yeah, the main yeah. man, the most important piece of this podcast. Um, 
Matt, let's talk about this kind of managing Madrid Ballon d'Or award because I I really want it, <laughs> but I know for a fact that you aren't you you were a youth international, weren't you? Yep. That's so I played. Bad. Yeah, played for uh, the U.S. U15 national team and the U.S. U18 national team. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So this so kind of how it works in the U.S. is. Um, when you're playing, they I don't know if they even still do this, but they had a program called ODP, which is the Olympic Development Program. Okay. And you first try out, like you go through a series of tryouts, you first try out for your state team. And then if you make your state team, you play games and there's scouts there and everything like that. And then eventually after a year, there's uh, you go to this like week-long tryout mm. um, for the regional team. And there's four regions oh, yeah. within the U.S., Region oh. 1, Region 2 region three region four and so i was part of region one because i grew up in new jersey which is so region one was maine so pretty much as north as you can get on the east coast all the way down to virginia Mm. um so then i made the region one team and then you have some tournaments with the region one team and you actually go international so everything's paid for by adidas and so with the region one team i went to italy twice and played in international tournaments we actually played uh juventus's youth team and we beat them 2-1 it was the craziest game i've ever been a part of so we get we uh we get there uh it's our first game and we're all so nervous because we're like it's juventus youth team like we're gonna get killed and they literally scored within the first two minutes and we're like oh my god we're gonna get annihilated but then the half ended it was only one nothing and so we come out like our coach revs us up a bit we come out second half we score from a corner kick, uh, 1-1, and then 15 minutes later, we score from another kick, 2-1. We're winning, uh, and this is in Italy. So the ref added, I kid you not, he added like 15 minutes of extra time to try and let them score. And and not only that, but like this is terrible, but the ref was incredibly racist. Like he Every time uh, a black player on our team did a throw-in, yeah. He would call it a foul throw every single time and give it to the uh, and give it to the Italians. And is this like, and a, like a tournament or is it a friendly? Yeah, it was a tournament. Oh so, yeah. So this was the group stages. So Juventus was in our group and uh, and so the, and all the fans there were Italian too. So they were all like really pissed off that Juventus was losing. Um, but we ultimately ended up winning that game. Uh, we actually came. First in the group, two teams come out of the group stage. So Juventus ended up coming out with us. Um, and, and there wasn't, so obviously it was an international tournament. So some of the other teams in there, it wasn't just Italian teams. So like we played, uh, I think like a Czechoslovakia team or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but Juventus, that was the, the biggest team, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so then... I think it like immediately goes once you get out of the group. It immediately went to the semifinals, and um, I think we played Kievo Verona, and, mm. and they were they had these two kids. Uh, I think they were both from Ghana. So kind of going back to the point where like youth academies now have to be a little bit more careful. Yeah. Mm. Um, they had these two kids that were unbelievable like head they were bigger than all of us i think the first time i went was like u15 so we were all like 14 years old and these two kids were like massive so fast so strong like they just these two kids dominated us and we lost 2-1 
uh, and we were so upset because Juventus went on to win the whole thing, and it was oh. we were like we could have won it. Um, it was just a one leg just, tie, right? Yeah, just one leg, and so so and we were like nobody expected anything from us because we're the Americans, and they think obviously they don't rate Americans, and yeah. so uh, like we had there were a couple guys on my team who had like scouts, like big clubs come up to them like after the game trying to sign them and stuff wow. um but yeah it was like it was both times i went the second time i went um i was a little bit older i was actually captain for that tournament which was awesome mm, nice. um and you like you get to exchange the, the uh like the scarves and the uh i don't even know what it's called you know the little oh, thing that sergio yeah. ramos what uh, like always gives the opposition team it's like a little <laughs> flag uh, yeah thing. yeah i don't even know flag, what it's called guess, yeah yeah so like being able to do that in an international tournament was so cool. Oh, um, yeah, but we yeah. we didn't have as good of a team this round because a lot of guys couldn't make it; they were injured. So we lost in the group stages. Um, but like both experiences were so cool because everything's paid for by Adidas. You're just like <sighs> after the games, like our coaches just let us do whatever we want. We we're just roaming <laughs> around Italy and like <laughs> it was awesome. So, so um, but yeah, like, so once you yeah, it's like go ahead. The, so every does every regional team from the US go or yeah, so you all do different tournaments. So like our okay. region one went to Italy. Like region two may go to Spain oh, yeah, or yeah, Germany or somewhere else, okay. or even like Mexico. Like it just you could go anywhere. Mm. Um, so yeah, both it was just random that both times I ended up going was to Italy. Um, but yeah, both were incredible experiences. Oh, and so yeah. from there, so this is all part of ODP, the Olympic Development Program. Like this is how the U.S. Used, I don't know if they still do this, used to scout guys and kind of find guys for their youth national team. Yeah, because so you then, said that uh, there were uh, scouts trying to s- sign the players from the opposition team. Well, they, there must have been someone to try to sign some players from you as well, no? Yeah, no, so that's what I meant. They were trying to sign a couple guys on our, like, they would okay, come onto okay. the bus. And yeah, we had a couple, oh. like, incredible forwards on our team, and they were trying to sign them, yeah. um, like, then and there <laughs> and oh. they, they didn't i they should have i mean if i were them i would have at least like had serious talks but they just didn't do anything they just uh, their obviously parents weren't there or anything like that so i think yeah. they just kind of brushed it aside but what an opportunity but uh did, yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> but then so from there um the all anybody who's on a region team then goes to like a national camp and a national tryout and they um that's where they select like the national team and you can get called up to different trips from there and like usually the national team trains when they call you up you go to california um and you train where la LA galaxy plays which is the home depot center uh and they have like these ridiculously nice fields um but i remember just a little anecdote i remember the first time i got called up so i have an older brother and Mm. he actually he didn't, went through the same exact process, made the national team and everything like that. So really? when I was young, yeah. So when I was young, I was like, he's five years older than me. So I said, okay, I want to, I want to make the national team. Like that, that's my ultimate goal. I want to do this. And um, so when I got uh, the letter that like I got the call up for the first one, I was on a beach actually. We we're on a family vacation, and I just started bawling because I was so happy that it, <laughs> it actually happened. I mean, national team, that's, you know, an extremely nice. high level. I mean, I was thinking just how many kids you must have been competing with. Yeah, I mean, it's when you put it into context, it is crazy. Because think about it, like, 
yeah. thousands, if not millions of kids, especially in you know, America, play the game. And then you get, even when you're just part of the national pool, like that's 50 players. And then it gets down to like when they bring in this squad, it's usually like 30 to 25, mm. like that small yeah. of a group. Like it's yeah. incredible. And when you get to wear the jersey and like hear the anthem before the games, like that's the best feeling ever. Oh, and like when yeah. you do the one, two, three, USA, like that's <laughs> like before the game, that is just like the most incredible feeling. And and the last time you were what? How old? 18? So it was U18, so I was 17. Um, And, like, I didn't – that moment, I didn't think – so after the U – I got called up twice to the U15, and then they stopped calling me up. So I didn't think, like, I was in the picture anymore. And, like, I was just – I was kind of upset about it. But I was still on the regional team, um, still playing. And then uh, my club team, PDA, for anyone – any U.S. listeners that maybe know them, um, we made it to what's called nationals, which is, like, the tournament for the best teams across the nation. And uh, there's always like U.S. national team scouts there and stuff like that. And so I played really well. The team played really well. And so after that, I I wasn't expecting it at all, but I got a call up and I was, it was so happy. Uh, Only one call up that year because I was one of those players, like as I got older, especially um, it's the reason why I don't think I ever made it like to an even higher level is and it's why i say this on the podcast all the time is like you have to be so mentally strong like Mm. i got inside my own head and like confidence was like an issue and like i just i cared too much what my teammates thought and like but you were a captain so you must have been quite you know had the leadership at least yeah yeah i did but i think like as i got older i more and more just got in my head and like got like i put so much pressure on myself just because Mm. and for no reason like I don't I think it, maybe part of it was because my brother was a really good player and like I just was very so strict become, on myself it, it can be almost be too much yeah it was it, it did, did become too much. like honestly I'm I'll be honest with you like after like college playing in college it's like a full-time job and after like yeah. I was so kind of over it like I'm actually much happier now uh, working full-time obviously working with managing Madrid as well and just like analyzing games, and I, I, I prefer because, that now. I mean, because as you said, you you know traveling to Italy and traveling to these tournaments, and you know surely you must have been training almost, uh, if not every day. So you know. Yeah, and so and Bye. Zidane made the point. Like, I think why players like Zidane so much and respect him so much is because he was a player, and so he gets it. And like, mm. you know, you notice certain times when he rotates the squad for like away games. He'll leave Ramos, Cruz, all these guys out, like not even put them in the squad because mm. he knows it gets tiring when you have to like go to the hotel every weekend and fly and like pack your bags and you're away from your family. And like Yesterday's that, game, that's you what know, ending after midnight, for example. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like wanes on you. And like maybe like I think that's part of the reason why Zidane probably ended it so early because he could have kept playing for way more years than he did. Yeah. Um, but I, and I I think it just kind of you get tired of n- not necessarily playing, but like everything else that goes along with it, like the training, you the meals, you have to have team meals all the time. You have to have team yeah, video yeah, sessions. Yeah. You have to have this and that. And so like your day is scheduled so much that you have no no time to yourself. 
you know, I ha- I always have Real Madrid TV up just before and just after the games, and I was watching Lucas Vasquez doing this post-match interview, and it was way over midnight, and also Zidane and, you know, so many players, and, you know, Butrogeno, they had to speak, and it was so late. I mean, oh, you know, so that's when you think that, you know, it's great to be a footballer or work with football, but, you know, it has some downsides as well, of course. Yeah, and I mean, think about that story uh, Ancelotti always tells about Cristiano Ronaldo when they were, like, exhausted. They came back from a flight that was, like, a away Champions League game. They came back at, like, 3 or 4 in the morning, and he goes and takes an ice bath ice bath, and then asks for the physios to give him a massage and everything <laughs> like that. Like, he was just so ridiculously professional. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, Sam, do you think, can you compare to this Ballon d'Or trophy? In no, no, take, take <laughs> Where did you play centre-back, did you say? So, yeah, like, so initially, so you know how it is when you're, like, younger, you start out, like, center mid or striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You move that back, like, I moved back, back to center back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Center back at the, when I was on the regional team and the first time I made the national team. And then uh, right back when I, the second time in, like, and in college, that's, that's what I played as well. That's amazing. I've got two standout questions there. Um, because the system in America is so different. The way you've explained it with the region, I've never heard of anything like it, probably because the, the country's so vast so that you need a way to, I don't know, get the record players or, or get them in to come and trial for you. But in England, obviously, it's, it's all based around the academy clubs. Um, yeah. Is, I know there's the MLS in America. Are, are they, do they have academies? What does it work like out there? Yeah, so um, like when I was growing up, they didn't, the MLS teams didn't have any academy oh. clubs it wasn't until i got to be like 16 17 18 that they finally had clubs um, so now they all have clubs um and, and it's free and everything like that but before it's like sock i mean football ah. or soccer is is like pay to play or was in the u.s yeah so like, yeah that's why it's like Zlatan ibrahimovic complained about it like why do i have to pay for my kid like you're gonna miss out on a ton of talent because that's mad. um it's you have to pay like parents have to pay like thousands of dollars per year for their kid to so play back then the only um, way that you were becoming a, a, a youth national team player was through these trials or do they do they still just shun the academies or do they get well so the good yeah the OT, odp was completely like free so as long as you tried okay. out and like you you made it like adidas and everything like that for the region team adidas was the sponsor obviously for our national team it's nike mm. um, but they would like pay for everything um but at initially at the club level like that's you obviously still have to try out and like there's better club like pda was the best club in new jersey that i played for yeah um and now obviously new york red bulls has a youth academy nycfc mm. and so um that when i was just about to go to college is when they started what's called uh the academy league and so that's just literally the best clubs all across the nation uh you only play each other so before before you would play teams like in your state or maybe you travel to a couple other states now like every weekend like i had no social life in high school because (sighs) we had to travel every single weekend for to different states to play the best teams in the country so like i'd be like i'd be getting ready on friday to travel to maryland or virginia for saturday and sunday and then coming home and like school starts Mm. the next day yeah so um yeah, it's now, um, like, that's how it is now. So I think, I don't even know if ODP is still around. I think they just scout from the Academy Academy League. 
Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. America, I can't get my mind. And then obviously college football comes into it, which is massive out there. Um, yeah, in college, yeah, in college, it's like so. And that's almost what's I feel like been hindering uh, the U.S. from being able to reach the level of European and even South American, oh, every okay. other basically player. Because obviously when eight, at 18 years old, mm. if you're good enough, you're becoming a professional or you're yeah. training with the first team or even mm. the reserves. And like you're taking that next step and the competition so cutthroat in Europe. Like Pulisic always talks about that, like how at Dortmund, the biggest thing that was the difference for him from the U.S. was just how cutthroat the competition was like you were fighting mm. every single day mm. to try and get your make sure you had a job and try yes. to make mm. it to the first team because if they don't for a lot of these guys they don't take academics seriously like if they yes. don't make it that's all they have <laughs> this is actually and, my next question for you which is which is funny yeah. enough because you said you obviously suffered from perhaps uh issues with confidence and things like that um I, you literally just described my 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 kind of uh my perspective on the academy system in england and europe because they are everyone is fighting everyone you work against each other uh rather than for each other in a team to fight for that contract or that that um that new opportunity somewhere and it's one of the most hostile environments in the world it brings you down rather than pushes you up mm, I, I would mm. say so would you is that perhaps what you may have experienced in america i don't know if it's completely different um I don't, well, I don't think it's that, like, I don't, you do experience it to a degree for sure. Mm. Uh, I just don't think it's as intense just because you're not, for, like, Americans, like, you're, most of us are using our club game to try and get a scholarship to college. And then if you ah. go, like, obviously a lot of people have aspirations to go pro from there. Um, and you usually can get drafted into the MLS or go to USL. Mm. Um, but it's, like, you're not going to make anywhere near the money you would in Europe. And it's just, mm. like... Is it really worth it at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so many, I've seen so many good players that I know, like incredible, incredible players that um, they get drafted or they go to an MLS team and then you never hear of them again. And then like two years later, they get cut and like, they just yeah. never works. Out. And you're like, how, how yeah. did they not make it? And like, I've, I don't know if you guys know, maybe some of our listeners will, will trap. He's uh captain of the columbus crew now he's been captain of the u.s a couple times when he's called up um i pl- played with him he's part of my national team oh. there's a lot of guys that i've played with um that are pros now but like there's like there was a lot better players than him even and they don't wow. just like for whatever reason play- players mature at different rates like that's why yeah. we got to keep in perspective with all our young players um and like guys who are the best at 18 aren't necessarily going to be the best when they're 23 also because mm. uh, so, also because a lot of players who succeed while they are teenagers they are have become you know they are further in their physical development as well so they yeah. are stronger quicker exactly yeah yep mm. and then some guys like I had um, we had one player in on my PDA team who actually came from Mexico and he got Academy Player of the Year uh, was signed by Philadelphia Union as a 17 year old right away after that wow and you never heard from him after that. Like he did one thing. He scored against Everton uh, in a preseason friendly, like an wow. absolute screamer. But <sighs> after that, nothing happened. He never played. He's, then he moved to USL. And, uh, and now I don't even know what he's doing. But I think part of that was um, attitude and like discipline. And we see that mm. all the time with like guys who just, if they, they let their mind get distracted, if they start doing other things, they party mm. too much. And you yeah. can, 
it, that that's kind of a something that always happens with young players if they don't have their head on straight. Yeah, yeah massively. And then back then you lived in um, lived in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, grown up on the East Coast, so I was actually born in Madrid. Uh, yeah, oh, um, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, born in Madrid. Uh, my, I'm not Spanish though. Even though uh, my fiance now, she's uh, half Mexican, and so I always, oh. always joke to her that um, I've got white blood running through my veins, and that I'm Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, uh, my parent, my dad was just working there at the time. His job had him um, positioned there in Madrid, and so they lived there for six years. Oh. I was three when we left, so I don't remember anything. But Is that I why always, you're a Real Madrid fan now, you think? So I attribute that. So I give that, like, that's kind of what I feel like I've always had an, a connection and affiliation with Madrid. And so, Sam, I know you're a big Beckham guy. Mm. Um, but obviously when David Beckham, <laughs> I was a huge David Beckham because I had blonde hair when I was little. And so, like, <laughs> everyone would tell me that I played and looked like David Beckham. So I was like, yes, I love David Beckham. <laughs> looked like David Beckham, too. And so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so I, I was obsessed with him. And so um, when he moved to Real Madrid, I'm 28 now. And so when he moved to Real Madrid, it was 2003. So I was, like, 11, I think. And I surprisingly like wasn't into sports that much like all my friends even like when they were really young even like at six seven eight like they were obsessed with pro sports Mm. nba nfl and like obviously i was obsessed with playing soccer but i wasn't like that into watching it or any of the pros or anything like that and then once beckham moved to madrid kind of even prior to that because i remember i'd play fifa and i would always transfer beckham from Manchester United to Real Madrid. Oh. And you always, <laughs> you always like Real Madrid had, for those like growing up with the Galacticos, and I, I think you guys were the same, um, yeah. Real Madrid always had that allure, like all the Galacticos, mm. like it's difficult to describe it now to like people who didn't live it because it's like, it's like signing Ronaldo one year, then signing oh, Messi yeah. the next year, then <laughs> yeah. signing Neymar the next year, <laughs> then signing Mbappe. It's insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was incredible like even though they didn't weren't successful like everybody knew it's mm. the galacticos like these guys are just <laughs> the prestige and so um i part of the reason why like i couldn't get into it though is because the u.s didn't have uh it was like impossible to watch la liga because there was oh. no channel that showed it oh. so i would always have to like watch highlights or go to the news and like follow realmadrid.com and then I finally convinced my parents uh, in the 2004 season, so Beckham's second year, to uh, to buy the subscription package. And so that's basically when I started watching every single Real Madrid yeah. game. Yes. Oh. Sam, isn't wow. this scarily similar it's, to us? It is strange yeah. how <laughs> how there are always just kind of things that, that relate to uh, FIFA, for one, David Beckham, that... Yeah. Everything, everything seems to come together nicely when you're a kid. I mean, how hard was it in America to get hold of Real Madrid kits and and training stuff? That for me, I remember back then. Obviously, you can't go on eBay uh, as easily. You you literally had to go to your local shop and hope there was something there. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about America, how hard? Yeah, it must have been. It must have been easier with uh, such a vast country. Actually, what America was really. I remember uh, that year after Beckham signed, I got the. Uh, the if you remember 
where we had like a really dark navy kit with light blue stripes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I got that one with the Beckham 23 on the back. And I was nice. David Beckham for Halloween. I put my hair in the, the samurai <laughs> ponytail. <laughs> and uh, oh, I went wow. that hard. And uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, no, it, it was like it wasn't he was plastered on every cover like every mag like yeah, i would get yeah. soccer.com magazine yeah. <laughs> he beckons on the cover like every month 442 beckons on the cover world soccer or whatever beckons yeah, on the yeah, cover yeah, yeah, yeah. so like it was everywhere i had the i don't know if you guys had the poster that adidas poster like defy uh physics defy the law of the game or something like that impossible is nothing uh. and then it shows beckham putting the champions league ball down in the real madrid kit mm. i had that plastered in my room so <laughs> Wow. Sam, when, Sam, when did you start following your football? So it was, again, late because, as you said, a lot of people around me um, were really into their pro sports. And, and you were into playing sports by the sound of it, but I was just into climbing trees and playing Spider-Man and stuff. <laughs> 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 so I, was, I must have been about 11 before I even thought about um, looking at a football game or, or playing football. And that, what, 2005, maybe year 2004? I think- I think we started following the football around the same time. For me, it was, I'm not sure if it was 2004 or five, but it must have been so close. So, mm. Mm. so that was it. But it wasn't actually one thing that I'm, I'm almost happy that I started at that time because I don't know if that's the term in England or the US, but it's like, how do you say it? Not mainstream sport, but I support mm. that just jumps on in the good times. How do you say that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, um, I like a glory support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Glory, yeah. glory hunter. That, that was yes, exactly. That was such a you know common term in Norway when we were growing up. That ah, oh, you're just a glory hunter, and you know. So, but at that time, Real Madrid they were actually quite poor. That right, was yeah. uh, in a dark spell for the club. So you know, I got away from that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> I still get well, that every single month. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, that I mean, that's I I kind of agree. Like looking back, Ruben, I kind of agree with you because now, like, think about the guy people who started supporting, like, uh, even when Mourinho first came, or like, yeah. after, like, they only had to wait a couple of years before La Decima, mm. uh, and then you get all this Champions League success, and like, mm. you, you, it's no wonder some of the fan base is just ruthless when it comes to patience and yeah, yeah, being prepared for to struggle, like. Once you go through all those consecutive round of 16 Champions League knockouts, it hardens you. It hardens you a bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, the Messi, yeah, that's been brutal. But also the Ronaldinho era with Samuel Eto'o yeah. and, you know, those, you know, Rijkaard was the manager. That was awful. And we were just being, you know, I remember, you know, Ramos was so awful at the Bernabeu and, you know, Ronaldinho was playing with him. That was some tough times. And Ronaldinho was a big star. And, uh, you know, that wasn't easy being a small kid at the school after being hammered 3-0. Exactly, you know? yeah. Mm. Your, your friends your, let um, you know about it. Yes, yes, definitely. I wonder what your boy's perspective on that kind of time was, because I was just used to Real Madrid winning absolutely nothing. The first trophy I genuinely remember them winning, apart from the league title in Beckham's last season, was the Copa del Rey, because I was on holiday in Iceland. And it felt brilliant, because that's the first trophy I genuinely watched my team win. And then... They would win maybe a Super Cup or maybe a League title, but it would be one a year. And then obviously in the years resulting, they would just go on and win absolutely everything. But back then you must have, I was young, so I was just used to Real Madrid not winning anything, but you must have really struggled. I Uh, mean, you were 11 in 2003. So that's throughout those those kind of those noughties years, it must have been uh, horrible. 
But I, I actually got on to it at a good time, I think, because I got on to it, you know, towards the end of that dark spell. The, oh, yeah. The first season I watched, I think, was 2005-06. Uh, oh, and yeah, then yeah. right right after that, that was the, the Capello season when we won the league, yeah. And with all of those comebacks, and, you know, that was amazing. Nothing so, was better than that league. Yeah, uh, yeah that was, <laughs> nothing was better than that league. And nothing will ever be, I think. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we won the league with Bernd Schuster the year afterwards. So it was actually mm-hmm. a quite a decent start but then yes. afterwards came you know Messi and Guardiola and uh, <laughs> so you know there's been some ups and downs but I was thinking about this um just uh, last week actually that you know I've been quite <laughs> fortunate you know just um as a fan every year I've, th- I've seen my team win something big almost every year yeah mm. yeah I think the thing that the only thing that made it hard like even the, those years when we won uh La Liga like the Schuster year and the Capello year is just you were so you still felt um like the team wasn't where it should be just because mm-hmm. they kept getting knocked out in the Champions League at the round of 16. Yes, like I remember dude. even to Leon like every I remember getting every time we drew Leon I was like you got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> I hated Leon. Yes. And like and I remember I remember like I just remember praying like just get us to the quarterfinals. I don't even yeah, care, yeah, yeah, care yeah. if we don't win it. Yeah. I just want to get to the quarterfinals to like get over this mental thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember also because Real Madrid had signed Fabio Cannavaro, the Ballon d'Or winner, mm. and then we played Leon, who had the Norwegian John Carew. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, he was I remember. Playing with Cannavaro, you know, Cannavaro <laughs> was looking like a fourth division player, and of course, this was in all of the news, in all of my friends at school. You know, John Carew was so much better than Cannavaro, and you know, yeah, oh. so that was actually quite painful. It, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I agree with you, Matt, that. You know, winning against a quite poor Barca side, yeah, that that was it was good. But when you were knocked out by Roma, you were knocked out yeah. by Lyon. I mean, it felt like, are we really that good? And also the the one when we lost five 0 on aggregate against Liverpool, you know, with Benitez. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Then a Yoon scored with his head. <laughs> and, you know, I, and then in the second leg, <laughs> I remember watching with a friend who was a Liverpool fan, and he said that. I'm not going to celebrate any goals unless we win four or five nil. <laughs> and and, of and course, it could have been more. It should have been yeah. more if not for oh. Casillas. Yeah. yeah, and I remember even I think towards the end, Andrea Dosena or something came on and oh, chipped yeah. in the goal, yeah. and it was disaster. Yeah. So it it was. I think that's if I'm going to highlight one spell which has been the toughest as a Real Madrid fan. That was the years leading up to La percent. Mm, yeah, and that 2000, especially that 2008 year, I think it was, where not not right after we lost to Liverpool, I think it was a week or two later, it was when we lost 6-2 to Barcelona in the Santiago oh, Bernabeu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like <laughs> that's what everything melted down. Ramon Calderon was already out because mm-hmm. he was just in, marred in controversy. And then our only hope was the return of Florentino Perez, and he was just going to sign everyone that summer and it, it happened but like yeah that was like that was the only thing we we're clinging on to after just a god-awful year yeah and julian we found julian Faubert who well uh, <laughs> yeah I was thinking about him yesterday because Bale yeah. fell asleep on the bench. With Julian Faber, he actually fell asleep on the bench. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was worse. I'll give him that. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, so born in Madrid, supported football or, or got into football maybe around 2003. Became a, a youth national team player. Um, is there anything we're missing on this journey? What what's happened? Well, I'll I'll tie this back to uh, the keep it relevant with Castilla Corner and the Academy. Oh. Um, 
So when I was obviously getting into it, it was like the first kind of Castilla group and like academy youngsters to be coming through were Mata, Saldado, Negredo, Javier Balboa, Ruben De La Red. Mm-hmm. So like this was obviously a really talented group, and I remember, I remember Mata was oh. like the big star, and every and he was Real Madrid, he wasn't gonna sign um, a new contract with Real Madrid because he wasn't getting promoted and he wasn't getting yeah. any minutes with the first team. And I remember being so upset and just so like, yeah. not understanding why Real Madrid won't give this guy an opportunity. And he signed for Valencia for uh, and ended free, up no? doing incredible there. Yeah, for free because he didn't sign a contract renewal. Great. And I was, I was, it was just, ugh. That was also horrible to me because back then I, you know, I was so young and I, same with you, I didn't have the, you know, the the sources for information, and I just didn't understand yeah. what was going on. We, you know, we let yeah. him go for free. He was this huge talent, and <laughs> he went to Valencia and played well with David Villa, David Silva, and Joaquin. What what happened? I didn't. So that was kind of a frustrating thing when you were so young. You didn't know really what was going on. What was the reason? Why was why was he not uh, resigned? So yeah, but that was awful to see him go. That was one of my yeah. first memories too. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys. I mean, like, to your point, Ruben, about trying to find like information. And, like I would, my ritual, like all, all throughout my teenage years, was like I would wake up and then I'd go to like the same nine websites like every single day to check all the news and then i'd go into the forums and like read the real madrid forums and stuff like that to try mm. and get all my news yeah and like that that's all you, there's, there was no twitter or anything like that yes so um and i remember i remember esteban granero was like the next really big hype up mm. uh, academy talent and i remember i created like my wallpaper on my computer was esteban granero the future of real madrid <laughs> and like i was so excited for him and like when you're a teenager you think like every player young player that gets hyped up is going to be like the next greatest thing no matter what <laughs> and so so like i was convinced like i was so excited for granero yeah who this is really interesting. We well, this is this is before I actually started following Castilla by years as well. So you were actively following them, perhaps when really nobody else was actually. But I'm sure if you were the same as me, Matt, we probably didn't follow Castilla at all. We just looked at the players who were the so ones even coming though up. Even though Matter was back then, it took me. Mm-hmm. I think I would have got into Castilla and then realised or or learned somehow that Matter would have played for them after that fact if you know what i mean i actually remember you know i was at the cabin or some of the, my parents friends and i yeah. the tv was on and they showed the sports news or how you say it and yeah. and i remember roberto soldado scored from a header and i was <laughs> yeah. thinking whoa that guy is going to be so big he's going to be a legend <laughs> and, uh, well and i yeah did you read uh so Roberto Saldado? I mean, I think that was your other piece of news you wanted to talk about, Sam. But uh, <laughs> Roberto Saldado, did you read about how like he talked about when he was at Madrid? Kind of here's another case of this. He was he got, got involved in partying. He thought he was oh. too too good for his own oats, and like he wasn't. It. Yeah, he wasn't fit at all. And wow. now he's 35 years old. Now he looks way fitter than he does yeah. now than he did back then. Um, <laughs> how old, how old and, like, was he when he said this happened? He uh he came out like a this year I think he came out with that interview but he was like 20 when he was at Real Madrid and all this happened yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh, and he 
was talking about how like now he's much more disciplined and he, like he hates what he like he really ruined his opportunity with Real Madrid. Maybe well, and... actually, yeah. That yeah. that explains a lot because we were talking about this in uh, that stats podcast because he's the the Castilla, uh, top scorer ever with a lot of goals, like no one even even close. Um, and he came for it 16, and and then we interviewed Chupe who played for Castilla, and he said Soldado was the best player I've ever seen when when he was training with us at 16. Mm. Um, and we we were stipulating, I mean, why? Did he not even really get a look in uh, above? Uh, I think he played a season or two, didn't he not? Um, but that explains a lot, actually. It's interesting you bring that up. Yeah. 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 He played. I remember he kind of started to break through a little, little yeah. bit in 2004. Uh, and then I think he went on loan to Osasuna and he came back and he didn't really play at all. And then that's when he just left. Wow. Mm. So did you follow Castilla, you know, after that or just, you know, uh, uh, here and there? Uh, so like I never, I, I don't think they even televised Castilla games. No, I don't, no. I don't remember, but, uh, no way. yeah. So I just like knew like to your point, Ruben, just like kind of through the forums and like through different. Do you remember the names of some of the forums? Maybe we went to the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember I, Soccer Pulse, Tiki Taka was one of them. Uh, and we had someone in, some in Norway as well. So I remember going to the same ones and. I idolized some of the guys who commented on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I was. All, I never comment. I think the the only thing I did, and this is kind of funny. Uh, kind of segues into managing Madrid. Is like the only thing I think I did once uh, was like write a fake article because nice. I wanted like a certain player to be connected with Real Madrid, and so I wrote like a fake transfer article to get people talking about it. <laughs> Do you remember who it was, the player? Yeah, it was uh, Diego, the Brazilian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Diego Ribas, right? Yeah, I think that was it, yeah. That guy who went to Atletico? Yes. Yeah, and this was before, like, this was while he was at Porto, I think. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that's good times. I mean, it's almost underrated now. It's like... Just to the mystique, can you say that, uh, of, of Real Madrid, yeah. you know, just not knowing that much. And now we have all of the information. That's great as well in another way. But it was almost something beautiful about just, yeah, that uh, the mystique about Real Madrid that you don't know really what's going on and everything's so big. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's better yeah, like now sure. like even now like with transfers like pretty much every transfer we know like we hear about it months in advance like yeah. we know when it's close like i remember when pepe was signed like nobody yes. had any idea who he was yes. where he came from when this link was like yeah. nobody knew <laughs> i remember when i was in the summer vacation and ron had signed someone for 30 million euros that was you know he he yeah. wasn't he wasn't known and it was a lot of money and yeah so that that was just how it happened someone just popped up out of the air so yeah but um but it was good times yeah yeah you're now you're the the guy for loanees for all of Real Madrid's loanees and it's an area that um gains increased focus because at the moment i mean the list is is glorious we've got a kubo who since the the lockdown kind of ceased he's been just phenomenal um erdegaard who has been the opposite but is normally phenomenal um just a massive list of players obviously hakimi has now uh, jumped ship and has gone to into milan um few questions regarding the loanies then who's your favorite Ooh. oh it's definitely odegaard um, oh nice i mean i think yeah no odegaard is but like I've just loved 
watching even at the test last year i just remember like he'd take oh, my breath away in certain yeah, moments like yeah. he's just and i watched him at castilla like i've oh, i've been nice. following him from the get-go because I, I just always have loved the way he plays mm. um and the fact that this injury has come and his form has dipped is killing me like this yeah. is just i'm intrigued uh, um to speak to this with you actually because you must have you've been watching sociedad uh, all year I, I assume every game yep yeah yeah so i've, I've been hooked by them but I think obviously the injury has been um, playing around with him since October. Am I right? Which is yeah, quite early. Yeah, yeah. But there, there's just a few things I noticed before this injury dropped, or the news around this injury dropped. There's a few things I noticed about the kind of influence that uh, his teammates allowed him on this on this team, um, because that they, I mean, towards the start of the season, he was almost everything for them in the same way that he was for Vitesse. Everything went through him. Everything played around him. Um, Towards kind of the midway part of the season, that seemed to kind of change. Sociedad were kind of, they found a rhythm on their own. And instead of perhaps passing to them when they should, they, they kind of, I don't know. It almost seems like they, they passed to him as a last option, a final option. So I don't know if that's harsh on him, but I just feel there's something else apart from this injury that's just playing on my mind when I watch him these days. Less focus. Potentially, yeah, yeah. It could be something to do with him. It could be uh, something personal. Maybe he he's lost focus in the way that we've that we've said players can. I was um, I, I meant that less focus on him in the team because this yeah, is one of the I agree, yeah. Because this is one of your observations, Sam. I didn't think of that before. Yeah, you and then you didn't even yeah yeah. Then I mentioned it. And you're like no, not at all. So maybe I am seeing things, but I'm just there's there's positions where he's always dropping back. You see him drop deep and he makes these curved runs out wide, um, and he used to just receive the ball in that area. Now there, there's times where he's completely open. Um, and just they normally would try and find him and they, they they just go for another option, even if that's sometimes the weaker option. I don't know. It's just maybe I'm overthinking well, things. Yeah, I, th- I think it's three <laughs> things. I think it's one, I mm. think, um, and this happened pretty much around January, is his position slightly changed. He's now basically a second forward. And I think Agostil yeah. made Sociedad a little bit more compact defensively. So they basically go into a 4-4-2 defensively. And Odegaard, all he has to do is press from the top. He doesn't really do any defensive work outside of that. Uh, where he was in the first half of the season, he was basically playing as a pure central midfielder. Yeah, yeah. Now he's basically just a second forward. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think two, I think teams scouted. Uh, yeah. uh, they obviously, after the first half of the season, they know Odegaard's the main man. So yeah. all they're trying to do is limit him. Um, and then the third thing, obviously, is the injury. And that's just... I think they've known about it. I think they've they've known they've had to not rely on him quite as much, and I think all those things coming together has just but, impacted him. But but you know he mentioned that he the injury had been there since October. Okay, so why has it suddenly become worse now, even after having a three month break with you know the Corona stuff? That is so, a good question. That's yeah, and that's what that's what concerns me, and like what's so concerning to me me is the three-month break right he, you yeah. should have thought that he would have had time to really heal it to really work on it and it's worse now than it was before like he's mm. just i'm oh god i will be devastated if he never returns back to has, his um, form uh, has he actually said anything about it no he hasn't which uh, no i don't think he has which he is, acts really i want to hear from him yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah so but uh yeah it's worrying but uh he, what are they it, saying in norway ruben uh they haven't talked that much about it actually um i don't know why but uh i think they they like to hype him up more when he's playing well and now he's not doing so well so <laughs> so i guess that's why but 
some of my one of my friends said that he had known about this that Odegaard had had this for years but mm. you know I'm not sure if that's uh, accurate but uh you know it, it's such a weird injury it seems like he has to keep on playing with it and it seems like Ronaldo has it had it since 2014 seems like Rafael mm-hmm. Nadal had it since he was 21 so it seems like it can be played with but that it, mm. it couldn't can be a hindrance so but it depends how big yeah yeah but uh, but yeah. uh, cool. in terms of other in terms of other loanees, I think the uh, obviously the big one who surprised me, and I know Sam, you uh, you disagreed <laughs> with me a couple months ago, uh, but Pake <laughs> Kubo, man, I think he has by far because I'm talking from August to now, yeah. who's developed the most, and I think Odegaard took his biggest development steps last year at Vitesse, I'll so that's agree, why. Yeah. So that's why I said Kubo has developed the most from August to now. So, and I still stand by that. Like, the, it's night and day different. If you looked at his games from the, he, he was barely involved, like, couldn't really, in and out of the lineup, like, really, he didn't impress me yeah, at all. Absolutely. Now, oh my God, he's he's killing it. You know, I completely agree with you as well. In fact, I don't think Erdegaard or any of the big names come, I think maybe Oscar Rodriguez might, might I think yeah. he's become a player that can actually carry a La Liga team, which is incredible. Yeah. But apart from that, I think you're right with Kubo. Um, especially now he's come back and he's just a joke. But but he was already amazing for Andre in the preseason though. So yeah, he was you know, very good, that. wasn't he? Mm. And he was really he played what two games friendlies for Castilla and he was great in those. Um, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I guess it's just about finding your feet. Um, I think I think yeah, maybe I don't remember what was uh, your argument, Sam, but we didn't really know the level of Kubo, you know, so yeah, we didn't know how good he was when he went to Mallorca because we hadn't seen him. Most of us hadn't seen him in, in Japan. So uh, while Odegaard, yeah. we, he took it to another, you know, don't forget that Odegaard in during the first months, he was, you know, at least the first weeks, a lot of people said that he was had been the best player in La Liga. Mm. So, you know, that's not only had he maintained the level from Vitesse, but he had he had become even better and in a much much better league so you know i guess that's what was the argument. yeah no that's fair and if you you guys to your credit to you guys i mean you probably hadn't seen his last two matches i was referencing like the real betis game and i uh, uh, can't remember yeah. the other game before that but and he had kept coming on as a sub and just being the best player on the mm. field and so mm, nice. uh, so yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, you guys were tracking Castilla, so you didn't have time to see that. But that's mm-hmm. what I knew he was really kind of changing, turning mm-hmm. it up a gear. Who and comes I, back first? Do you think, by the way? Yeah. Oh, it's not. No, I, I mean, it's two out of everyone. Who's who's coming back? I mean, it should be Odegaard, and I think I think they'll probably come back at the same time. Uh, oh, nice. Um, in after next year, uh, not this coming season, but the next mm-hmm. season after That'd that. Be so good. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we just gotta hope Odegaard can work out of. The, this knee injury do you yeah. think oscar gets sold soon yeah i do i think he's probably going to be sold with, with a buyback clause so um there's just not enough room for him but yeah, we'll see he could shame. eventually come back the way he's developed this year i think i watched again most of the the times i've watched leganese win against other loanies in mallorca i watched him against sociedad when he when he scored that free kick in the, in the last yeah, minute yeah. and you just knew yeah. it was gonna happen as well <laughs> <laughs> um, he's such his technique is just ridiculous this is another level um in comparison to every player i've seen in the first team for real madrid in the academy in castile um and this is a player that i was severely disappointed with when um he was at castile i just wasn't having him at all um so i'm just so happy he's doing you so know, well you know oscar so i've heard that you know 
I haven't watched enough uh, games of his uh, lately, but Mm-mm. I've heard that he's not really good enough to be a, an, an important player for Real Madrid. But let's say that they keep the five changes in La Liga, <laughs> and Zidane, he just he doesn't always <laughs> use all of them. He just uses maybe two. So maybe we can just sub uh, Oscar on whenever we get a free kick, and since we have so many substitutions, we can just sub him up again. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I wrote this. I think I wrote this when he was yeah. 18 or something. If Real Madrid were in the Champions League final, even with free subs, they got a free kick. There's no one else yeah. I'm, I'm bringing. I would genuinely call him out from there. Just 12s if he had the same. Oh, wow. Um, his free. It is a joke. His free kick. Yeah. On, I've never seen anything like it. Um, hmm. And he doesn't go for this kind of alternate um, technique like Ronaldo with the, the obviously the knuckle ball where it dips down and over. You get people who Odegaard's been going for the near post a few times this season. Oscar Rodriguez just curls it in every time, just normally. I just don't understand. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I love it. I love a free kick specialist. So I, I would personally love to see him back at Real Madrid. But, but okay, if we can get 10 to 20 million <laughs> euros for him, it's, uh, I guess that's a good deal for Real Madrid, post-corona especially. But, um, but Matt, I, I just wanted to... Um, We've been going on for for a long time already, oh, but you get the question. So go on quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just wanted to know, uh, you know, how did you get into to managing Madrid? Because I think you almost started talking about it. You know, going from the the soccer forums to to managing Madrid. How did it happen? Yeah, so this is one of our one of our questions. So it's a okay. good segue. Mm. Yeah. Um, who who yeah, so I actually. Uh, uh, give credit to the guy who asked it. Arian. Arian Ringshi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to Arian. He's always uh, been a big supporter of yeah, managing man. Madrid. So, um, yeah. So um, it actually started. I reached out to Gabe. So I was actually a fan of managing Madrid. So I listened to their podcasts. Um, obviously, followed them, and like I wasn't that active on Twitter or anything like that at that time. Um, but I felt like obviously I felt like I could contribute in some way, um, and I felt like I had a voice that, um, with some playing experience, could help um, just provide that perspective on the site and on the podcast. And so I actually reached out to Gabe and kind of explained to him my soccer CV um, and even my academic CV. Um, I went to Villanova in, which is in the East coast um and so i i kind of laid that out for him explained to him um what i'd be looking to do and what what i would bring different to managing madrid and so uh he passed that along to keon uh they talked about it and they um let let me give a go and i remember uh one of my first articles was on zidane and just how he was um, inspired by his time at juventus Mm. um and then just gradually have get uh, just have w- gradually had a bigger role with uh, managing Madrid. Yeah. So when when was this when you first uh, arrived? Uh, I think it was 2017, April 2017. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What was your? Because the question is the question is specific here, and I want to know too. What was your first interaction with Kian? <laughs> um. <laughs> I think it was just to review review one of my articles. Oh, so nice. not nothing special. Yeah, just to review one of my articles before it went published. What a guy! <laughs> you must have the two 
you, again, maybe top two for Ballon d'Or candidates for actual voices. I know the, you Americans have an unbelievable <laughs> vocal kind of. Oh, you think? <laughs> I mean, your we voice think is unbelievable. that about you, man. We no, think that right. about you. Everybody loves it. the British voice. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> and even you, Ruben. Like, I think everyone likes the accent. Really? Well, Ruben is multi multilingual, which is no, no, yeah. No, no, I know. No, no. I've I've, I've seen your Spanish interviews, Ruben. They're really good. I'm jealous. <laughs> but uh, well, I'm not sure about the Norwegian accent, though. I think that's uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's a favorite. But okay. <laughs> it's a funny. I think it's funny. <laughs> anyway, question number two. Then there's only I think there's only three, um, so we can get through these pretty quick. Um, what is your what are your hobbies away from sports? Okay. Um, so I'm like a big health and fitness guy. Uh, nice. I like to, like, I've kind of obviously grew up always training and had a regimented schedule. So now um, I still like to go for runs, still like to like go to the gym, work out. Um, I eat really healthy. Try not like, I eat, I, I'll eat chicken, but I really don't eat that much meat. Oh. Uh, I'll eat salmon. Because, uh no i'll eat it like chicken's healthy but my fiance like doesn't like any meat whatsoever so i just oh. don't buy it like i'll have okay. it out at restaurants and stuff like that but i just don't okay, buy because, it uh, because i was uh, thinking if you if you consider meat unhealthy then you're quite strict yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah are, are you um, counting your calories and stuff no nah, i don't count on the calorie i just have you ever I mean, done it no not really I used, I, mean, if, I used to. I mean, oh, that's br- that must be brutal. It's quite brutal, yeah. <laughs> Everything I ate, you know, even a banana, I put it on a scale, and you know, oh. just oh. so that's not a that's not a good way to live. But uh, yeah, is that what do you work in? Um, kind of the health and fitness industry at the moment? No, I'm actually I'm not. I'm in um, energy, oil and energy, oh, believe cool. it or not. So yeah, yeah. yeah so um, that's that's my daytime job, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, I still play in like a men's league and um, yeah, I'm just always like anything activity sport related. I'm always willing to do it. Like my fiance and I, during this lockdown, started playing tennis. Uh, I'm just trying like all, all different things. I love volleyball. I actually joined a volleyball group. So like anything sport related. You would be a hell of a signing for any local side down here. A hell of a <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame you're so far away. So um, volleyball as well, yeah, okay. But uh, what's your second favorite sport? Would you say? Um, this is play. probably an American thing. Uh, I played lacrosse growing up, and I oh. loved lacrosse. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys even have that lacrosse, in Norway or in England. The, but... the richest oh. people in England play it. Is it <laughs> funny? You got these sticks, yeah? Yeah. The cross. What's the cross? And you basically cradle the ball in these like sticks with a net. You just and... chuck it in the air. I think I know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you Can play I... that quite um full on? Yeah, I, I mean, I did growing up. I don't anymore. Um, I don't even know. Like, it's not it's not a huge sport here. It's growing. Um, but like, I don't even know if they have like men's leagues now or anything like that. Has it got like a little basket on the end of the stick? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. I've 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 heard of this and played it at school. I'm sure I have. Um <laughs> it's just brutal, got a, it's was a goalkeepers in sports like this. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, I just got it's like ask, a mix uh, of hockey and, and yeah, soccer almost. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Do, do you have something that's uh, something uh, a weird sport that is growing a bit in Norway? It's something called frisbee golf. Have you heard of it? What? Have you heard um, of it? So I think we have something similar, but it's more of like a game you play on the beach here. Yeah, okay. I was just wondering if that's something that's growing worldwide. But I know that Sam is playing a lot of uh, football golf. So you know. 
I need to I need to get on the course again soon. Do you foot golf? You would love that, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I would. We have it here. I haven't played it yet. Wow. Though. I, I would I would love to play it though. It's brilliant. Um, and it's one of the only things because it's so easily socially distanced that you can um that stayed open throughout lockdown, so we could try and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very very true. Right. Question number three. Um, from uh, Iraqli, and I can only interpret this as saying, um, how how can Real Madrid possibly replace uh, Sergio Ramos, especially after his importance with his goals and his play since uh, since the football resumed? How can they even think about replacing him in the future? Do you think? Sorry, Castilla player, Aloni, happening? What's going on? We can't, but I, I mean, you guys have been talk- talking about Pablo Ramon, so I hope yeah. uh, hopefully <laughs> he lives up to the billing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. This guy, you're, there's no way in hell you can replace Sergio Ramos. Most yeah. cap Spanish player in all time. He might be the most uh, uh, Real Madrid player with the most trophies by the time he's done. Um, obviously, La Decima, like every, everything he's done, there's no way you can top him. Mm-hmm. It's just, we're just going to have to hopefully get someone that can at least just, just do the job for at a Real Madrid level. He came in as, as a right back, didn't he? So I don't yeah, think even yeah. Sergio Ramos thought he was going to end up uh, the way uh, he has. Yeah. <laughs> would you would you give him a two year contract now, extension? Absolutely. Yeah, I would absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He would be. He can get anything he wants. He would be thirty seven <laughs> when he retires, though, wouldn't he? Thirty seven. Well, yeah, the that's, I mean, look how fit he is, though. Yeah, but I mean, three. So I mean, like, um, three years from now, would you give him? Oh. So I think he has one year left, and I'm pretty sure that Ramos will try getting a two-year extension, which will. Mean I would. That, yeah, I still would give it to him, that. even if he even if he takes on like a backseat role. I mean, it's worth having him in the locker room. And, I just don't think like everything ever, he's done. Do you think he would ever accept such a role, though? I don't know. I don't know. I, I we don't know had a Ramos. long discussion about this on our Norwegian podcast, and I think I just don't. You know. Legends never retire at Real Madrid, and that's for a reason because most Real Madrid yeah. legends they wouldn't accept having such a you know a backup How, role. So. Uh, he'll be 37, did you say? I think so. Maybe he would at 37, given the context. I mean, there's not many teams that are gonna start you at 37 years old. I don't know. My well, you know who his idol is? No. Yeah. Maldini, and he you was still what? at AC yeah, Milan true. at 37, uh, and I he had he had like a good role. Yeah. If he had a Maldini role. I think Ramos wants to be the next Maldini. I was about to say, I didn't know he was... Is it his idol, really? That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Also, you think he might even be close to starting at 37. I don't know if yeah. anyone would take his place. I don't know. It's a shame for Militao, though, 50 million euros. Yeah. And also from the club's perspective, 50 million euros for uh, such a good centre-back. But, you know, mm. Militao is not going to stay as a backer for three more years, surely. But I, well, I if think he, he can take the Varane route and maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I, I mean, we've seen it with how many players like Varane had to be patient, Isco yeah. to agree. I mean, I know he's not playing consistently as a starter, but he had to be patient for a while. Um, who else? Even Marcelo. I mean, a lot of guys, you, you just have to be patient until your moment comes. 100%. And yeah. uh, I think it's a good point with uh, Marcelo because I saw someone writing that, you know, Marcelo, the guy who replaced Roberto Carlos. And, you know, that's that's something to, you know, we, we forget that he, that was quite a task to replace Roberto Carlos. And yeah, um, yeah. Casillas, you know, it's been a, it's been some years since he's gone now, but he, he was also, you know, replaced. So mm. I guess every player will be replaced. You know, it's Real Madrid, so it will happen. But I don't think 
you know, it will be difficult. It will be difficult to find someone like Ramos, and I, yeah, for sure, that's leadership, and that's one of the reasons why I think I don't want to let him go because we need his leadership qualities above all. So, you know, just losing that would be, yeah, that would be awful for us. I think. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Well, that was all of the questions, Dan. Thanks for. I know it was short notice, but thanks for sending them in. Yeah. Um, have we anything else to cover? Anything we may have forgotten? Anything? Uh, anything we don't know about you that have, we haven't uh, covered now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think we. Uh-huh. Uh, think when we covered is your a lot. Um, When's your wedding? Uh, well, so this is the. This oh. is so obviously. Dallas has now become an epicenter for yeah. Uh, yeah. the coronavirus, and we are – listen to this. So, And I may even have to tweet about this, and I never tweet about non-soccer stuff, but <laughs> just to get back at this company. So all retweets, oh. listeners, would be a, a, appreciated if this ever happens. So the venue that we had our wedding at is not allowing us to postpone. Even oh. if we're willing to pay a transfer fee – we're willing to take a Friday, even though we paid for a Saturday. Wow. Um, and we're like we're willing to work with them. They're mm. not budging at all. Wow. Um, they're not even like people who are getting. We're supposed to get married in September. Even people who are getting married like this July, and like things are things are really bad here. Like um, they're still not working with them, and they won't refund you the money. And even if we were to not have our wedding on that date which we're planning not to um they're not allowing uh couples to get their food and beverage uh, deposits back and they're not even going to be paying for food or beverage because nobody we're not having the wedding and that's like thousands and thousands of dollars and they're not giving it back to us yeah because marriages are expensive yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really expensive. And now we're going to have to pay all over again and not get any money back. And so oh, it's just the been situation, awful. The, the marriage is just, um, or the wedding day, is that just been affected by Corona completely? There might not be any guests or you would have to move it or. Yeah, a lot of our guests told us like they wouldn't feel com- like, because oh. as you guys know, I'm not originally from Texas and we're going to have it here in Texas. You're from Houston, right? And uh, Dallas. <laughs> <No>. Dallas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. I don't understand that. Um, I don't oh, it's just Keanu. Um, it's yeah. yeah, Keon always says Houston. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, and um, yeah, so all our guests are from out of state and all our guests are traveling and even two of my groomsmen are in Europe. So oh. um, like it's they wouldn't even be able to go back. So yeah. Would, would yeah, you are so, you even allowed to have marriages, you know, with the do you have don't you have restrictions in US, you know? Would it be yeah, allowed? So, yeah, certain states have different restrictions. And, like, right now, technically, we would be allowed, but, like, we'd have to be limited to a certain amount of people. And, like, it just uh, – my, my parents are older, and I don't want to risk them at yeah, all. Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, worth yeah, it, yeah. even with how much money we spend. Yeah. So. The, the problem is that, you know, do you think this will be gone next year completely? I don't know. Yeah, hopefully. But uh, I just uh, – I wonder how, if – if you were thinking about your parents and everything, you know, it's going to take a while before it's you've gotten rid of. Completely. So, I mean, I've been following the news like a hawk um, <laughs> and everything like uh, Fauci and Dr. Scott Gottlieb say, like I follow. And uh, they all say that hopefully early 2021, there'll be some sort of vaccine, made, uh, yeah, like, yeah. even if it just okay. limits the symptoms. Um, so... That's what I'm crossing my fingers for. We're looking maybe to postpone to like May of 2021. Wow. So, um, yeah. I mean, the 
if, to give some optimism here in Norway, everything is great. Maybe you can have it in Norway. Just move everyone <laughs> yeah. to Norway. <laughs> yeah. that, would, that would be amazing. You know, we yes, can even yeah. go to the. I told you. I'll get the Norwegian. In you there too, right? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. We will fill it up. <laughs> so that's, I think that's the solution here. Well, Just come to Norway. Ruben, I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you, because you're the president of the Norwegian Pena, right? Yeah. How did, how did you get that role? And did you start the Pena? No, no, no. It was started like in, you know, 20 years ago. So oh, was, I'm, the, okay. uh, I'm the third president. So, uh, yeah, it was it was just I, I was a writer since 2012. Then I became the editor in 2016. And then I got the president role two years later. So it was just, yeah, I would just, uh, how do you say it went, went upwards. So, uh, yeah, climb so the ladder. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. And the the previous president, he had so many contacts. You know, he could just walk into the Bernabeu and get into the VIP lounge. Oh, wow. wow <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, <laughs> and he has met Ramos. He has met so many. And, you know, so let's hope that I can build that kind of... Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. But um, next time we go to Madrid, I will invite you for sure. And we will take you to Valdebebas. And that's, mm. you know... That's for sure. That's something that everyone has to experience to just to get yes. inside all the bebas, and that's yes, I would love uni. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty. We could talk all day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely time to go. Um, it's amazing how you've got the rest of the day left. By the way, I've got. Yeah, yeah. Day. I forgot. Oh, it's late there for you guys. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, thanks so much for coming on. Um, to basically our, your own podcast anyway <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a lot more mix and matches in the future um because yeah. it's fantastic i really enjoy it um follow matt follow ruben follow myself on twitter follow managing madrid if you don't already apart from that um we've got key we've got king coming midweek have we i think but you're going to to oslo so oh yeah i'm actually in i'm in norway for just a very very short vacation not to yeah. see ruben because he's miles uh, away yeah, I want to. I want to make that a roast of Kian, if anything. So we'll try maybe go for a different format. Um, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Anyway, thank you very much. Um, we'll see you for Kian's pod. See you later, yeah. guys. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. This is number one champion sound. Yeah, yeah Estelle, we about to get down. get down. Who the hottest in the world right now? Just touched down in London town. Bet they give me a pound Tell them put the money in my hand right now Set up a motor, we need more seats We just sold out all the floor seats Take me on a trip, I'd like to go someday Take me to New York, 